You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. I'm so excited that the teenagers are here. I'll probably mention them 18 times tonight because they're all sitting right there and they look so wonderful and beautiful. And so the youth are going to know the first part of this message. I started a message a couple weeks ago in the youth ministry called Hire. And then... uh, You know, Cody and I, we've been alternating weeks in ministry out in the youth ministry because we're still recovering from, uh, you know, some stuff. The the pandemic, we're waiting for all the numbers to get back. And when they get back, we'll split back into junior high and senior high. And so right now, we've been keeping everybody together. And, uh, you know, so I I ministered one week on hire because I think Cody was out of town on spring break or something like that. And then the next week, he came back. And then I went to preach again, the second part of hire, and we had a move of the spirit. And so we just yielded to that. We prayed for students, and then I didn't get a chance to teach. And so... I wanted to steal last week from Cody, but I don't remember what happened. But anyways, you're going to get the second part of that service tonight, but I'm also going to give you the first part, all right? And so everyone say higher. Listen, you have to understand something about God. His elevation is a little higher than yours. Amen. And he wants you to come up to his elevation. Amen. And I believe we have access to elevation through the work of Jesus Christ. Don't you know that the Bible talks about how Jesus is above all things? Not only does he have the name that is above every name, but he's also been given a seat in heavenly places or heavenly realms that's above all things, right? And then the good news is, is the word of God in Ephesians chapter 2, I think it's verse 6, says that you are united with him in that place. So he's lifted. So when he was raised up, and this is the amazing thing about the work of Jesus Christ, when he was raised from the dead, you were raised with him. (laughs) Hallelujah, right? And so we understand that he's given us this seat or this position of our righteousness, and that position that he's given to us is a high position, right? And that position he's given us is supposed to be a position that is above the things of this world, and God wants us to live in the place that he's given. Everyone say his ways are higher than my ways. We see this in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. Now, y'all going to help me tonight, amen? Don't waste your time and don't waste my time. You're here tonight. You just as well, I can sense it in the room. Y'all ready to go home. (laughs) But you shouldn't be ready to go home. God's got something for you. Hallelujah. So just make whatever adjustment you got to make in your heart. Hallelujah. I get it. We're at church. Sometimes we go when we don't feel like going, but you can just shift on a dime right now and you can make yourself happy that you're in the room. Glory to God. And I don't want you to miss out what God has for you. And I don't want to go home frustrated because I couldn't give it to you. Right. And that's not up to me. That's up to you. Right? you got to pull it out of me by faith. Glory to God. So activate your faith right now. Someone say it again. Say, I believe God. Come on, say it again. I believe God. Amen. You don't want to waste your time. You're here tonight. Get what God has for you. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We know that God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than our ways and higher than our thoughts. If we want to live at the elevation that God has for us, then we must begin to live according to his thoughts and according to his ways. Now, I like to say this. You can't live like God until you start thinking like God. 
Amen. You cannot live like God until you start thinking like God. And so your thoughts must become God's thoughts. And when your thoughts become God's thoughts, which are higher than your thoughts, then your ways can become like God's ways. And those ways are higher than your ways. Now we're going to get to some stuff. It's important to live in this higher elevation. Psalms uh, chapter 61, verse 2 out of NIV. It says, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I, I call as my heart groans faint. Now this is David talking. And it's very interesting what he says. He says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, we read the book of Psalms together as a church. And, uh, you know, David was kind of a miserable person sometimes. And it's interesting. He always had enemies all around him. Right. And he was always being attacked and he was always had a lot of stuff going on. And it's interesting. He's saying, as I live down here and my enemies surround me on every side, as I live down here and I got family problems, as I live down here and I got work problems, as I live down here and I got social media problems and I live down here and I have economic problems, my heart grows faint. And then he said, what's the cure for this? Lord, lead me to a place that is higher than I am. Woo, and so there's so many things in this scripture. The good news is there's a place for you in God that is higher than all the troubles and tribulations and challenges of this world. But notice what he said, God, lead me. Right? And so we see that in Isaiah 55. How does he lead us? Leads us in our thoughts. Lead us in our ways. Listen, you will, David had this problem and he understood. Every time I follow my ways, I get in trouble. Oh, man. Every time I follow my thoughts, oh, look at that girl over there on that rooftop. Just bathing right there naked in front of God and everybody. Mm, she's looking so fine. And then he had, you know, Simba syndrome. Just can't wait to be king, you know, and since he's king... You know, he gets whatever he wants. I just, I, you know, go get girl. See, it's problematic when we follow our ways. Oh, come on now. Someone say he's preaching good. And we know what happened, right? He went and, and he made Bathsheba his wife. And so he ended up, you know, well, she's married and she's married to one of my lead guys. So what I need to do is pull my army back so my lead general dies out there so she can be mine. And it just led to compromise after compromise after compromise, right? When we follow our ways and our thoughts and we, we begin to get busy with the work around here, it lowers us in a place. And it, we be, listen to me now, when you follow your ways, you become vulnerable for the attacks of the enemy that have already been defeated. But if you follow God's ways and his thoughts, you remain above them. You know, and I got to thinking about this. And it's amazing how God can just reveal things to you. You know, the rock that we build our life on is Jesus, the rock of our salvation. Amen. And when you build on him, you're building at a very high place. Now, we were in Colorado for a family vacation. We went, we ministered at my dad's church. If you want to go ahead and throw that image up for me, that'd be a blessing. So this is the cabin that we stayed in. And if you look off in the distance, you can see those white snow-capped mountains. That's 14,000 feet there off in the distance. It's a long ways up. Now, a lot of people don't know this unless you're from Colorado, which I am, right? Got to let everyone know about that every chance I can. Hallelujah. And, and a lot of people don't know this, but if you see that dark line that goes across the mountain right before the, the white peaks, that's what they call timberline. Timberline is exactly at 11,000 feet. 
And the reason why Timberline's at 11,000 feet and then everything above that is bare is because above Timberline, there's not enough oxygen for plants to survive. Listen, when you reach this elevation in God, there's not enough air up there for the things of the devil to survive. Come on now, stress can't live at this elevation. No, no, you didn't get that. Stress cannot live at this elevation in God. Anxiety cannot live at this high elevation in God. Fear cannot live at this high elevation in God. Insecurity cannot live at this higher elevation in God. Because when you get into God's elevation and God's atmosphere, the things of this world cannot exist. The problem we have with the things of this world is we come down from that high place that he's brought us to. We begin to follow our thoughts and we follow our ways. And when we begin to follow our thoughts and our ways, we cannot rock in the victory that Jesus has provided. This higher elevation in the atmosphere of God, sin cannot survive. So what do we have to do? Well, we've got to figure out how to live at this elevation. And I got to tell you, living at that elevation sometimes uncomfortable. The, the, the cabin we were staying at was around 9,000 feet. And uh, there's not even a lot of oxygen there. It was a two-story house. And if we left something in the basement, it just died down there. Because I'm not going to get it, you know. Just I went up one flight of stairs and I'm just standing there, you know, sucking wind and trying not to pass out because there's just not a lot of oxygen up there. But you know what? At that place... It may be difficult for you to let go of some of these things, but what does God have for you in that place? See, I don't want what the world has. I want what he has. Amen. I don't want what they've got to give. I want what he's given me. Amen. I want to walk in those things. Listen to the scripture that I know you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks unto God who gives us the victory. Someone say victory. Who gives us the victory over sin and death. What? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you build on this rock of Jesus Christ, you're building at a high elevation. And it's in that place that you're free from anxiety. Now listen, I want to be careful. I want to mention this. I'm not saying that these things won't try to attach themselves to you. What I'm saying is when they try to attach themselves to you, they can't live there. See, but if you come down here and you're living down here and then anxiety tries to grab a hold of you, you're in a place where it thrives. See, if you're doing things the way of the world and fear tries to grab a hold of you, you're doing things the way of the world. Now fear can really thrive in that environment because you're doing it the world's way. You're doing it your way. You're doing it by your thoughts and you're not doing it by God's thoughts. And that's an atmosphere where fear runs rampant. Right? But when we get up into God's atmosphere... We get up into that higher elevation and we stay there. These things can't survive. It reminds me of that scripture. Though the weapon may be formed against you, it shall not prosper. Why? Because you're elevated. Right? Anxiety may be formed against you. And as I was praying today, that word kept coming up. So I believe God's dealing with someone's anxiety tonight. Worry and stress, anxiety. Listen, it may be formed against you, but it shall not prosper because you're living in a place where the atmosphere is not conducive for anxiety to stay. You're living, David, take me to a place, lead me to a rock that is higher than I am, where the worries and the troubles and the cares of this world cannot survive. I love this, David's thinking, where my enemies cannot live. Lead me to a place 
right? It's kind of like Moses. You remember, you go back to Exodus. Every time he had a problem, what did he do? He ran up to the mountain. He went up to a high place. Maybe some of it was to get away from the people, but I also think some of it because that's where the presence of God kept falling. <laughs> right? Remember one time he told all the Israelites, he said, let's just stand down here. And they, they put out some lines in the sand and they said, don't cross this line. And then what happened? The glory of God fell on the mountain and they all watched it. You remember another time he went up there and he asked, he said, show me your goodness. And what did God say to him? He said, there's a place near me. Woo! See, that's, that's the whole thing right there. Are we living near him? Right? And, and what God said, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. And as I hide you in the cleft of the rock, I will let my goodness pass before you. Woo! Amen. All that happened at this elevated place, right? And so we have to understand that we live or we can live in this place that's elevated in God. And that atmosphere is only conducive for good things for your life. Amen. And so now that we know that, I want to talk to you about how do we stay at God's elevation? How do we stay at God's elevation? And these things are going to be very, you know, simple for us because it's stuff we talk about all the time. But I wonder, you know, do we really do some of these things? Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to look at three different things here in Proverbs 3. We're going to break all three of them down. Someone say, I'm elevated. Ooh, glory to God. Or I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 3. I said Psalms. I Did I say Proverbs? Glory to God. Got it right the first time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now if I could just find Proverbs. Hallelujah. There it is. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart, for they will give you a long and satisfying life. Never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Write them deep within your heart. Then you'll find favor both with God and people. You will gain good, a good reputation. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Ollie got my notes. I, met, I emailed him to him. I said, you know, Ollie, this is what we'll be ministering on tonight. If you could do tithes on trusting in God, that would be fantastic. Hallelujah. I'm just teasing. He didn't get my notes, guys. <laughs> All right. You know, he was being led. Glory to God. I love this. Trust in the Lord. Isn't the Holy Spirit good? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Look at this. Don't depend on your own understanding. In this atmosphere of God, a lot of things don't make sense to your natural mind. Remember what the Word of God tells us in the book of Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's talking. He's saying, listen, these spiritual things look foolish to the carnal man. Living up here, it looks foolish to the world. Right? Getting in the presence of God, it looks foolish to the world. But you can't be led by your understanding. you got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn your back on evil. Then you'll gain renewed health and vitality. And so there's three things here in verses 1 through 8 that I want to look at. Number one, if we're going to live at this elevation, we've got to hold to His Word. He said, let my word not depart from you. Dive into his word. We know in Joshua, it talks about meditating in the word. It says, keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written. Now look at this. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Your success is directly tied to the word of God. 
You know, and I've had a lot of people, you know, they've, they've written me emails, and I just responded to an email last week about a young man. He was looking for a lot of scriptures, and I get it. A lot of us, we don't know where to start in the Word of God to get what we need to get. I've got good news for you. Your pastor does something called daily bread. And what that does is it breaks down the word specifically for you so you can hold to the word of God so you can live at a high elevation. Oh, don't make this too simple on me now. Someone say glory to God. Psalms 119.105 says your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. It's no wonder why people don't know where they're going. You let go of the word, you don't let go of your GPS system. You let go of the word, you got no light for your path. Right? You let go of the word, there's nothing to light your feet and show you where to go. We've got to hold to the word. And as we hold to the word, remember that scripture we started with. His, high, his ways are higher. His thoughts are deeper. How do we know them? The word illuminates them to us. You can know what God's thinking because it's written in the word. You can know the ways that he has for you because it's written in the word. This stuff is not hidden from us. We just have to dive into the word of God and allow these things to be revealed to us so we can live in a high place in him so we don't have to worry about the stuff going on down here. You know, Ollie made reference of it. You know, you all know what's going on in the world, but guess what? I'm not worried about it. I, I, I didn't say I don't care. I said I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Rachel, my wife and I, we grabbed a hold of the word from our pastor and we said, listen, the lights stay on in Goshen, baby. It don't matter what's going on. Glory to God. My God is bigger than all the things going on. Hallelujah. My God is greater than all these things going on. And that's who I serve. I don't serve the gods of this world. I serve the living God. Amen. Well, where does that confidence come from? It comes from the word. As you get into the word, it does something on the inside of you. Proverbs 6.23, for this commandment is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way to life. Listen, let the word be your guide and light. Now, I know we're not going to like this one. Let the word discipline you. Let the word be your guide and light. And let the word discipline you. You know, whenever God disciplines you, it's because he's trying to help you. Right? I, I've got a greater revelation of this as a parent than I've ever had before. Correction and discipline, there's a purpose to it. Right? It's because God is trying to get us over into the blessing of the Lord. Right? And in order for us to get into the blessing of the Lord, when we get angry, we got to let the word discipline us and get us back into love. Come on now. When we get into unforgiveness, we got to let the word of God discipline us. And show us how to walk in forgiveness to those that have sinned against us and have committed treason against us so we can be right in God's sight. How do I do that? I receive the discipline of the word of God. And this is a good thing. The Bible says what? He corrects those who he loves. I don't know about you. He's correcting me all the time. And that's a good thing. That means he loves me a whole lot. <laughs> Amen. But we've got to let the word be our lamp and we've got to let it discipline us. Teach us some things and show us some things. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. My child, pay attention to what I say. We just stop right there. Pay attention to what I, we pay attention to so many things. But God is saying, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. We can stop right there. What you listening to? Because what you're listening to is either going to keep you at this elevation in God, 
or it's going to pull you down. What you're listening to is either going to breed hunger and worry and fear on the inside of you, or what you're listening to is going to breed peace, right? It's going to breed confidence. Amen. It's going to produce love. What are we listening to? You know you're supposed to protect the gates, right? Protect what you see, protect what you speak, and protect what you hear. Because this is what allows a harvest to grow in our heart. Amen. You can always tell what people have been listening to. Most of, if they're really, really afraid, I know what they've been listening to. Right now in this day and age, if they're really, really confused about the simplest of things, <laughs> Woo, we could go in on that one. Right? Really, really confused about the simplest of things. Why? Because they're listening to something that's not from the creator of those things. And so now they're trying to manipulate it to be whatever they want it to be, to be their truth. And we talked about this before. The only problem with our truth is what? It's made up. We got to stick with the truth. Amen. And so we stick with the word. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep to your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Now, listen, I got to tell you the truth. Can I be a little bit transparent? Every time I've struggled in life, you can trace it back that I got away from God's word. <laughs> Anytime I've ever gotten in trouble. Oh, come on now. From when I was little until I was old. Anytime my life has been a struggle, it's because I got away from the word of God. <laughs> right? Now, remember what I said. At that elevation, I'm not saying that things won't come your way. Things will most definitely come your way. But you overcome them and you walk in victory because you're doing what is necessary to stay at that place where those things cannot survive. It's imperative for us to stay with the word. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what acts on them is like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. There it is again. What David was saying, lead me to the rock. And we know that building on the rock is a good thing. Amen. And so we want to build on him. The way we build on him is through the word. Someone say, I'm sticking with the word. The next thing we got to do that it said in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it said, let love and devotion and faithfulness not depart from you. Did you know as Christians you're supposed to be faithful? Now we can really go in on this one. You're supposed to be a faithful employee, faithful husband and faithful wife, faithful son, faithful daughter, faithful boss. But most importantly, you're supposed to be faithful to God. And I've noticed that when things get going tough, people tend to run away from God, and I'm not sure why. They run from their answer. No matter what you can't listen to me, no matter what you're going through, remain faithful to him. Because when you remain faithful to him, he'll pull you through every single time. I might have to get the band up here and sing that song, I Have a Promise. Because y'all feel like you need something to lift you up a little bit. Hallelujah. You know, I have a promise. It's my season. It's my time. Hallelujah. You know the song that I'm singing. Amen. Right? Well, how do we see that promise? How do we do that? We remain faithful to God. He can't pull you through if you're not faithful. I love this. I read a quote today. The author is unknown, but it says this. Your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. 
Your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. We see this with the talents, right? When he gave them 10 and 5 and 2, and, and, and two of them were faithful, and they showed themselves faithful or trustworthy to the master. And so what did the master do? He increased them. And then one wasn't faithful, but what was he? The Bible says he was afraid. Because you're a hard man and you've reaped where you have not sown. And so what I did is I hid it. And so, you know, two of them were hidden, living at this high elevation. One of them was living low. Two of them were rewarded. And one, everything was taken from him. Your faithfulness shows you to be trustworthy to God. Psalms 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate what? Faithfulness. You're supposed to cultivate faithfulness. That means it's something you are supposed to acquire and something you're supposed to develop. It's what that word cultivate means. Acquire it and develop it. You're supposed to acquire and cultivate faithfulness on the inside of you. Christians should be the most faithful people in the entire world. Faithful and serving in the local body. Faithful to serving in the community, but most importantly, like I said, faithful to God. Joshua 24, 14 says, Now the fear of the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away from you gods, your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and the Egypt and serve the Lord. Someone say, I'll remain faithful. faithful. Don't you understand everything in this world? The devil's system is designed to pull you away from God. Now, let me ask you, why do you think that is? If the devil is trying to pull you away from God, why do you think he's trying to do that? Because he wants to come in and steal and kill and destroy the things in your life. And so we have to remain faithful to God. And when we remain faithful to God, we live in this atmosphere where the devil's weapons will not prosper. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout all the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. One translation says to strengthen the hearts of those that are faithful to him. We always want God to be faithful to us, but we don't want to be faithful to him. Y'all getting quiet in this church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Proverbs 28, 10 says this, a faithful man will abound with the blessing, but one eager to be rich will not go unpunished. Everyone say, I'm faithful. faithful. Say it again. Say, "I'm I'm faithful. We can't let our faithfulness towards God wane in this time. As I was studying last week, I even told Cody this, I knew that these services would build on top of each other. Sunday morning to serving, to Sunday night when we talked about consecrated and dedicated, to now what we're talking about tonight, being faithful to God, right? Trusting in God, staying with the word. See, those things about staying with the word and remaining faithful to God, you can't do that unless you're living a dedicated, consecrated life. So everything God's been doing this week has been building on top of it, right? And God is encouraging you tonight, remain faithful, Remain faithful no matter what you're seeing. Uh, Your victory and and, and the promise, and I love this, the promises of God protect us from the things of this world, but we have to remain faithful to him. Did you hear what I just said? The promises of God protect us from the things of this world, but we have to remain faithful to him. You know what protects you from poverty and lack? The promise of God. 
But how do we walk in that? We remain faithful to him. You know what protects you from sickness and disease? The promises of God that are yes and amen. But we have to remain faithful to him and then we'll see his faithfulness in the land of the living. Remember, you're in a covenant. And a covenant means that both parts have to do their part. Amen. Over in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 24, it says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. That has always been a key for me. I consider what he's done for me, and then it makes it easy for me to be faithful. I consider how he saved my life. How he took a world that I had flipped upside down and made a mess of it. But then I bended my knee and I gave my life to him. And since then, it's been good, stacked on top of good, stacked on top of good. I remember the good things he's done for me and that empowers me to be faithful to him. I encourage you every day, take a moment and remember the good things he's done for you. And if you have nowhere else to start, start right here. He gave you Jesus. Amen. The scars for your freedom, he wears them on his body every day. Start right there and be grateful and rejoice in the things that he's done for you. And that will inspire faithfulness to him. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and then we'll move on. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. And when you think because of all that he's done for you, there it is again. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you'll find acceptable. This is our true way to worship him. Now, as I was studying this, you know, sometimes he just gives me things a little bit more harsh. And I try to be more diplomatic when I deliver it to you. But listen, we've got to be, stop being faithful to other things. Sometimes I feel like we have so many idols in our lives and we don't even realize it. What are you being faithful to with your body? What are you being faithful to with your life? Present your body and your life to God, a living sacrifice. Everyone say, I'm faithful. Amen. Amen. And then the last one, and then we'll let you go. Amen. Don't worry, though. The last one's six more pages. So hallelujah. <laughs> the last one we're going to talk about, and there's a lot of keys you can do to live at this elevation, this, this atmosphere of God where the worldly things can't survive. We're just talking about three of them. The last one is, if you guessed it, you'll know, uh, Ollie talked about it, trust in the Lord. You got to trust in the Lord. And I love the latter part of that, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Did you know that you know what you know? <laughs> right? You know what you know. And lots of times to be successful, you need to know the things that you don't know. Well, where does that come from? You trust God. <laughs> Amen. He can show you things that you do not know. And then once you know them, then you can begin to do them. Amen. And so how do we do that? Well, we can't lean on our understanding. We've got to trust in the Lord. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but one who walks in wisdom will be safe. He who trusts in himself is a fool. Did you know, and, and, and I'm sure you know this, you know, I have no confidence in Robert. I have confidence in the one who lives in Robert. I, I don't trust myself. See, I played that game, and it failed miserably. I trust in the Lord, and I lean not on my own understanding, right? I trust in God, and I lean on the things that I've learned from the Word of God. Because whenever I lean on my own understanding, it gets me into problems. And I was thinking about this, and I found this video on the Internet. And before we show it, it just paints a beautiful picture of what happens when we trust in ourselves, and we get in a mess, 
and then the good shepherd comes, it gets us out of the mess, and then we rely on ourselves, and we get back into the mess. And this is such a great video because it's such a great parallel because the Bible calls us sheep. (laughs) And then it calls him the good shepherd. And it's such a great video to see what happens when you rely on yourself and you trust in yourself. So let's go ahead. But this is amazing. This is what happens when you trust in yourself. And it's incredible, too, because the, the, the crevice is so obvious, you know, and it's, it's like it's right there. It's so obvious. And the sheep is like, let me just go in here and get stuck, you know, and, and just try to figure stuff out and I'll be stuck. And then the shepherd comes along, pulls him out by the leg. And then he's like, freedom, you know, he runs around, he does it own way. And then he gets right back into the same spot he was at the beginning. How many of us have been there before? Oh, man. Yeah, come on. Put your hand up high because you know it's true. Right? What do we have to do? We have to get off of this six-cycle carousel. Amen. We got to stop just going around and around and doing the same thing, doing the same thing. And the way this happens is we just put too much confidence in ourselves. Now, I believe in confidence, and I believe you ought to have it, but I believe your confidence should come from God. Amen. I I believe that you should be confident in who you are, but who you are is in him. Come on now. And so we have to stop trusting ourselves. And, 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 And lots of times, you know, we have these Christian words, trust in the Lord. But what does that really mean to trust in the Lord? It's very simple. What it means to trust in the Lord is it means you're doing it his way instead of your way. I can give you an obvious example. Ollie just did it. When you tithe, you're trusting in the Lord. Because that doesn't make sense to the natural man. That doesn't make sense to the carnal man. It makes no sense to the mind how you can give 10% of your finances and your resources to the Lord, but yet you're going to trust in the Lord. Come on now. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Amen. And so I don't trust in myself. I trust in the Lord. And as I trust in the Lord, I go ahead and I do what he's asked me to do. And when I do what he's asked me to do, I've started something in my life. It's the power of God. It's the grace of God. It's the glory of God to where now I can walk out the promises. And I did it because I trusted God. I didn't trust myself. I put my confidence and my trust in him. One who trusts in himself is a fool, but one who trusts in the Lord. Amen. Proverbs 62, 8. Trust in him at all times. Now, I really like that that's in there because he just didn't say trust in him when it's good. Trust in him when it feels nice. You know, I always love to reflect and think about Jesus when we're talking about scriptures and doing a sermon. Think about Jesus hanging on that cross. Woo, man. Now, he had a promise that they would destroy that temple, but in three days, right, God was going to raise it up again. How much trust did he have to have in God that God was going to honor his word? Right? 
especially when he wasn't in his fields. Because remember on that cross, when God abandoned him because he had to, his friends and his family on earth had abandoned him, and he's just hanging there by himself. In that moment, he had to trust God. Okay, it doesn't feel like it, and you know it didn't feel like it. He's, you know, not to be too vivid, but he's, really, he's bleeding out. He's been stabbed in the side. He's been whipped with the cat of nine tails. The, he's, he's wearing the crown of thorns. He's got nails going through his hands to keep him up on that cross. He's, slyly, he's suffocating on his own blood inside himself. He is slowly dying a miserable death, but yet he's trusting God. Oh, come on now. We, we, as humans, sometimes we only trust him when things are going good. This goes back to being faithful. Jesus is on that cross and, and man, he's just, you know what? I have a promise. Listen to me now. Sometimes it looks bad. But you have a promise. Trust in the promise. Because the one who spoke it is faithful. Trust in the promise because the one who spoke it is faithful. Psalms 37, 5, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do it. This is a revelation that Jesus had. He said it, we just sang about it. You said it, you'll do it. Because you're a man of your word. And this is what I love about Jesus. He never asked you to do something that he did not do himself. So where you see all through the word, trust in God, trust in God, trust in God. You have one that identifies with your position more than you know, and his name is Jesus. And part of what he was doing here on the earth is he was showing, look, you can do this as I have done this. Everyone say, trust in the Lord. Just a couple more scriptures for you. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge, Selah. Psalms 4, 5, Offer the sacrifices of the righteous. Trust in the Lord. All that trusting in God is, is means you're willing to do it his way instead of your way. Because I, I, I like that. I want to know what this looks like. What is this actually? <laughs> Trust in the Lord is not just some Christian thing that we've made up. All it means is you're going to do things his way, his ways that are higher than your ways. You're going to do things according to his thoughts, right? And as you trust in the Lord and you do things his way, it allows you to live in this elevation that's very high. And it's an atmosphere where the things of this world cannot survive. Trust in God as Jesus trusted in God. And he'll pull you through every time. The three keys to living at a high elevation, stay with the word, stay faithful to God, and trust in the word. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know him so you too can make it.